We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So spring ball, Ryan, you mentioned the spring ball starts in a couple days. I'm excited about spring ball starting. I'm really fired up about spring ball starting. We've had a lot of drama this offseason. There's been a lot of negativity yep. with things that happened with the whole Andy Ludwig situation. Matt Luke turns another name down, which followed the fact that Harry Heastan retired, which was a major bummer. Brian Mason leaves. And it just – you lose Brandon Hellman. There's just been a lot of bad news, basically, for Notre Dame. And so the perception is, is this has not been a great offseason. That can start to change Wednesday because yes. at the end of the day, I wrote an article yesterday, Ryan, and we can debate this maybe on another show. Maybe this might be a conversation for tomorrow. But the premise was if you take out all of the, the process that got you to where you are, I think I, I, I made a case that the coaching staff as a whole – is actually better now than it was a year ago. From the standpoint of Chancey Stuckey's better than he was a year ago, I expect Dylan McCullough to be better out of Washington. So all the second-year coaches are you expect to be better. They know the players better. The players know them better. And then they were able to kind of add some good coaches and, and, and things like that. So, you know, that's the case that I made. So for all the negativity, I do think that can be viewed as a positive. Marcus Freeman's going into year two. But more so than that, Ryan, this is a really talented roster in my yes. opinion. And that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. And then you've got the new guys, Sam Hartman, you know, Javante Jean-Baptiste, Thomas Harper, Caleb Smith, the kickers, uh, Saunders. You've got the punter coming in from Penn. There's some new guys that add some really exciting aspects to this to where if you didn't land any of the transfers, I'm still pretty excited about this roster. But then you throw these guys into the mix, Ryan, a lot of early enrollees from what you and I thought was the, well, I thought, I'm sorry, I don't know if you feel this way, what I thought is Notre Dame's best recruiting class since 2013. In my view, I don't care what the rankings say. I'm just telling you, looking at that group of players, I have not seen a better class top to bottom uh, than, than since 2013. I'm excited about this team. I mean, they got a ton of guys coming back, and there's going to be some really interesting storylines that are going to happen with this team. And I think offensively is where we're going to start, Ryan, is I, I'm just really curious to see what are we talking about by the end of the spring? 
Yeah. And I think that's what that's one of the things that makes the spring so much fun. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It always does, man, because I think that you have expectations, obviously, going into the spring, right, Brian? I think most Notre Dame fans are looking at this offense, especially, and saying, like, hey, man, the the main storylines, right, are the new guys. That's what you want to see. That's what you always want to see. Sam Hartman coming in and maturation of wide receivers that you didn't see as much last year. And who is the guy to kind of take that conversation piece to another level? But I think that ultimately that trajectory sometimes doesn't always – hit fruition, right? Like we might enter the spring and say, Sam Hartman's the guy I want to see, but coming out of the spring, you're like, there's a different storyline that really kind of encapsulates the spring for Notre Dame. So I agree completely, man. I think that's the greatest thing about it is that every single year, no matter who the coach is, no matter what program you cover, there's always players that surprise you every single year. I wasn't talking about player X going into the spring, leaving spring, He's probably going to start. He's probably going to be a substantial playmaker. Maybe this guy that you thought was going to be that dude didn't take a step forward and wasn't that type of guy. But hey, you have other guys that were competing with them and they took a step forward. Maybe a guy doesn't, maybe a whole position group did not take a step forward. Maybe a whole position group did take a step forward. That's the most fun about spring ball for me is that you have expectations going in, but there's always surprises. It's never as you expect. It is yeah. always a different conversation when the end of it comes. You just hope that those surprises are good surprises. Right. It's not, wow, I expect this guy to be a whole lot better than he was. I think the first storyline for me, Ryan, that, that's uh, worth discussing this spring is the coaching staff. And I think when you look at the offense, this is the second year in a row that the offensive staff is going to look a lot different. Sure. And and the but the interesting thing is last year it was a brand new coaching staff outside of Tommy Reese. Now, yes, Harry Heastan had been here before, but the last time Harry Heastan was here, there was like five guys from last year's roster on the team. Like that was it. it. It was a different team, different era. He was new. He had to get to know Marcus Freeman, all the other coaches. 
He's gone. Tommy's gone. But you still have three coaches coming back from last year. So you actually have more returning coaches to this year's offensive staff than you had going into last year's offensive staff. But because it's a new coordinator, because it's a new O-line coach, the new quarterbacks coach, these are premium positions on offense. And I think that's where some of the angst goes. But but I'm very curious how this dynamic plays because on the one side, it's definitely a positive that Marcus Freeman went out and surrounded Jared Parker with two veteran. And I mean, Gino Gadulli is not a veteran per se. I mean, he hasn't been coaching that long, but he's rose up the ranks pretty quickly. He's a He's got experience at what Jared Parker's being asked to do. He's called plays for two years now. He was a guy that was the full-time OC in 2022 for Cincinnati and his experience coaching quarterbacks and playing quarterback at a high level in college football. So I, I, I'm very curious to see how that, how that dynamic goes because on the flip side, you have two guys that have been coordinators that are now working under a guy that's never really been a full-time coordinator. Sure. And so how that goes, how that mesh happens between Coach Gadouli and Coach Rudolph and Coach Parker and with Coach Stuckey and Coach McCullough with those guys because now it's a whole new dynamic. How are they going to work together? That's something I'm interested in seeing because if this staff meshes quickly, then I think the offense really takes off quickly during the spring. If they don't mesh quickly, then we may not see the offense really find its stride until the fall. So I think that's going to be an interesting aspect in a a storyline that I'm going to be talking about and focusing on in the few practices that we get this spring. You you know what's you know why I know I'm weird right one thing that I'm I'm, I'm so intrigued about is I kind of just want to watch Jared Parker you know like I just want to watch his mannerisms I want to watch him how he engages with the players as an offensive coordinator versus what he was as as a tight end coach I just kind of want to observe what the teaching looks like I know that sounds really strange because we all just want to talk about the players and being player centric and what is this guy looking like how is he developing and that stuff's all important to me as well. But it's just such a unique position because we have high expectations for what this offense can be. You know why? Because there's a lot of talent there, right? So when you have a lot of talent, the the key there is the people calling the plays, the people developing these players on a day-in and day-out perspective. And I'm really interested to see how Gino Gadouli interacts with that quarterback room on a day-to-day basis. What does that look like? I'm interested to see how much different – the offensive line practices run with Coach Rudolph comparative to Coach Eastan. I'm interested to see what Coach Parker, what the vibe is, what the energy is around the offensive staff. So I know it sounds really lame. I know it sounds really weird. But like I honestly just want to be at a practice and watch Coach Parker and just watch his every move to see how does he interact with each position group? How does he run a practice? What's the tempo? All that type of stuff I think is going to be a big indicator of how good this offense can be. Because like you said before, Brian, and I agree with it 100%, this is where the baseline's being built, right? This is the foundation. This isn't 100% identity. But part of the identity that I think you need this spring is to understand player interactions, how practices are run, what the expectations are, what the tempo is. That's the type of stuff that I think needs to be really solidified this spring and to be shown and to be understood. And that's my, I mean, that's honestly one of my biggest takeaways this spring is that I want to see what is the energy around these coaches? How do they run a practice? How crisp, how demanding, all those key things. Because I think that that could take this team from being a very talented and good offense to be one of the better offenses in college football. Like I think they have the type of upside. It really does depend a lot on what are the coaches and what is the development this spring as it starts now going into the, the further into the offseason. 
that's kind of the biggest thing that I want to see. Well, I think the build on top of the mesh part, Ryan, is kind of what you were getting into. What are the changes we're going to see? Changes are going to come in twofold that are going to be important, Ryan, right? Number one is what you talked about. How are they structure practice differently? What's the impact that that change of structure is going to have on the team? Do they push tempo more? Do they do two more teaching? Do they, yep. is there more, I, I don't know. And and it change doesn't equal better. It doesn't equal worse. It's just it's change. Different. And then we'll see what the <laughs> results are, right? And and so then I want to see what things that they do that are different. And what of those things really seem to work or not? And then the other part is you can give, you could take Tommy Reese's playbook, right? Let's just say that the, you know, the Notre Dame playbook that Tommy Reese had, hand it to Jared Parker and say, run this. And it's still going to look different because every coach within the same playbook is going to have different points of emphasis. Yeah. You know, Tommy Reese ran a mess of duo, but we saw inside zone and some other things, whereas they may still run the same plays, but the structure of how they run them, the volume with which they run certain things or not is going to be different. could be different. I should say. Uh, they're going to run the same pass concepts, but they may overemphasize this relative to where they were or you know, maybe add some new wrinkles. So that's another part of this too, Ryan, is I want to see what the differences are. What changes does Jared Parker and this new coaching staff make? Jer- Gino Gadulli is going to come in with some pass concepts that he really likes, that he thinks could work here. Does Jared Parker take those? Does they implement those? Does Chancey Stuckey now in year two maybe have a little bit more say on some of that stuff? Hey, these are my guys. These are what they do well. Here's some things we can do with them. Uh, does does Jared Parker, is he receptive to that? Are there some ideas maybe he had for certain concepts that that he thinks that he likes as a former receiver and receivers coach? Uh, does Joe Rudolph have, a, have any influence on what the run game is going to look like? Those are all things that we have no clue what the answer is, Ryan. But those are going to be storylines that I'm going to be following and keeping a very close eye on as we get into the spring. Yeah, it's going to be – I mean, it's, it, it's really fun because there are – because even, Brian, like it, it's even as simple as like on the offensive side of the ball from a coaching perspective. It's like you have new coaches that are in new positions, obviously, right? Like So that's where like the headlines are going to go, right? It's like Jared Parker. What does an offense under Jared Parker look like? What does an energy around an offense under Jared Parker look like? I mentioned Joe Rudolph compared to what Harry Heastan liked to do with the offensive line, but I'm even interested to see – a second spring under Dila McCullough, a second spring under Chancey Stuckey. Does it look different at all with a new offensive coordinator? Do they inflect a little bit more of their personality into their teaching? There's so many cool storylines on the offensive side of the football. And I mean, honestly, man, like I, I the Notre Dame uh, graphic, des- uh, not graphic design, but their Notre Dame media departments, whatever they call that, that area of it, right? Like how much cool stuff videos and pictures can they get this spring with like yeah. sam hartman being the guy there right with the coaches right. engaging with the coaches teaching a gold mine of opportunity to really give some insight into what an offense looks like under notre dame heading into 2023 again we're not i'm not i'm not asking for like the the secret sauce to like sure. what it's going to look like but like you have a lot of storylines and a lot of opportunity to be really engaging with notre dame fans which i also think is really interesting and something that I hope Notre Dame takes advantage of a little bit, man. Like, I want to know Sam Hartman on a personal level, you yes. know? I want to know Jared Parker on a personal level. I want to know these guys, man. I, w- I think it's great content potentially for Notre Dame as well. If Notre Dame doesn't produce at least a couple-minute-long mic'd-up video, and not this 30-second stuff that gives you a little bit of fluff, and then, like, you're not giving the fans anything there. If you're not doing at least a couple-minute-long 
And I mean, I would do like full blown productions a few times, but I don't think you can do that every single practice, but like at least a, a, a couple minute long mic'd up video on Twitter and on YouTube of every practice. And you have a coach mic'd up uh, at a practice. You have some certain players mic'd up, you know, like I would love to see, like you said, Sam Hartman mic'd up a day in the life of, uh, you know, Notre Dame's quarterbacks. And maybe you follow him and Tyler around. Like there are so many things like that, that Notre Dame needs to be doing this spring and into the summer that they're just not doing that I think would give great exposure to the football program, but then to these players and then, you know, bring the fans in. I don't know if they're yeah. going to do that. I have my doubts. I don't think Notre Dame takes that stuff super seriously. When they do put out stuff, it's really quality. That's yes. the disappointing thing is when they actually take the time to make those things, Ryan, it's excellent. It's really excellent. They just don't do it enough. And I don't think they prioritize it enough. And so, those are things that I want to see, Ryan. But even more importantly, that's great storylines, but the practicality, what the results are, is going to be important. And that leads into storyline number three, the quarterback position. Yeah. I mean, it's always a big story, but th- there's so many different layers. Like, is there is it really a competition or not? Is, is, how quickly will Sam Hartman adjust? How quickly do the players get comfortable with Sam Hartman you know how how is Tyler Buckner going to perform can he make a jump you know will he get better is he going to be bought in will he stay if if he doesn't start there's just you know how's Steve Angeli going to develop in year two what's Kenny Minchie going to look like is he going to be on a pitch count this spring as he comes back from the shoulder injury there are so many dynamics what's the offense going to look like with Sam Hartman are they going to have a Tyler Buckner package there's so much so much a quarterback that's just unknown, but also, man, really exciting, like really exciting because there's legit one-two talent at quarterback that we haven't really seen since like, what, 2016 in a situation where you actually think more than one kid might have a shot to play, in my view. Like, this is way better than the dynamic of Ian Book and Phil Dracovic. Right. Because, I mean, Tyler's somewhat on the same level of what Phil was then, but Sam Hartman's a, a much more talented player than Ian Book, in my opinion. Well, and I want to see interactions around the quarterback position too, Brian. Like, I want to see Coach Gadouli, Coach Parker. Am I putting these guys into a lot of adverse situations in the spring, right? To see how they tick, what type of competitors they are. Because if they do that, then I'm automatically like, oh, this is a legit competition. Like, they are trying to breed competition. I want to see what makes Sam Hartman tick. I want to see in a two minute drill the pressure put on him. And then guess what? Next play, Tyler, you're in, brother, and let's see you in a two-minute, and let's see what you look like in that adverse situation. So I'm interested to see the interactions there. I'm also interested to see what the interactions are between the quarterbacks on the roster, right? It's like Sam Hartman has the type of experience where Tyler Buckner can really benefit off of just being around him, right? But is Tyler open to that? I don't know that conversation. I don't know. I hope, I think, but at the end of the day, it's up to Tyler Buckner to take the most out of that opportunity to learn from, from Sam Hartman because you could still fight for the starting spot and still understand that, like, hey, that guy's played more football than me. He's seen more than me. He can probably help me out on some of the mental side of the game or at least, you know, for preparation stuff. Like, you can do that. And then do you push the most to get out of Sam Hartman? Do you push the most to get out of Tyler Buckner? I'm really interested in just what the, the general vibe is around those quarterbacks because to your point, Brian – Sam Hartman has a big reputation behind him, you know, for what he's done the last two years at Wake Forest and during his Wake Forest career in general. He's got records. 
He's got a good resume. Is he driven to be even better than what it was at Wake Forest? Or is he just complacent and just like, hey, I was good, man, but that's just, you know, I'm going to continue to what I'm doing. Or does he know that there's a step forward there that needs to be taken? Tyler Buckner, the ability to get better each and every day and match a guy like Sam Hartman and the resume that he has. Steve Angeli, Kenny Mitch, you continue to get better each and every day. There's a bunch of individual storylines kind of interwoven together. But at the end of the day, we know that a big difference that needs to be happened in this Notre Dame program moving forward to go from a good program to a great one and then to an elite one and championship level one is that the quarterback position needs to be better. It just needs to be. It needs to be more consistent. It needs to be on a week-to-week basis more dependable. You need that type of competition, I think, in the room. Having Gino Gadulli now every day to be that quarterback coach, which is something that we haven't seen in an individual basis in a couple years, obviously, with you know, with the separation between quarterback coach and offensive coordinator, a lot of great storylines. And I'm more than anything, I'm just looking how much do one each one of these players push each other in that room? Because I think that mm-hmm. competition needs to happen this spring because that makes Sam better, makes Tyler better, makes the depth better. And that is really, I think, what I'm most what I'm most interested in is just see how those players interact with one another and interact with the coaches that are w- with them on a daily basis. Obviously, when this all builds, right, Ryan? It's it's coaching and scheme and quarterbacks. Well, then what's next? What playmakers are going to step up on the perimeter? That's another big conversation because right now, Ryan, you and I are excited about the talent and potential of the wide receivers. But when you have to use the word potential as much as you and I use the word potential with this receiving core, it means it hasn't arrived yet. Yes. It means it hasn't – the production isn't there, right? When we After 2014, we weren't talking about Will Fuller's potential. We were talking about his production, mm-hmm. what he had proven to be, and then he got even better that next year. Right now, we don't know what this group is going to be. We know the talent level. We've seen some small flashes from a yep. lot of these guys. But we don't know what all of them can bring on a week-to-week basis, on a day-to-day basis in the spring. I'm very curious to see that. Does Lorenzo Styles have a better spring than he had last year? Does Tobias Merriweather start to kind of step up and emerge? Does Dion take that next step? How quickly does Caleb Smith fit in with the group? How quickly do the freshmen commit fill in? And what kind of role does Jaden Thomas take? Because I could see Jaden Thomas and Caleb Smith being sort of the two, I say, leaders of the receiving core. And, and right. you know, as far as like how they go about their business on an everyday basis. So, uh, and, and more importantly, Ryan, at the end of the day, who steps up as the playmakers? And can you go out against this group of defensive backs, even if Cam Hart's not playing a ton? And can you make plays? Because it won't be easy. And and how quickly does that do those players step up and say to Sam Hartman, "Hey, I'm your guy. Get me the ball. Throw me the ball." And uh, those are. Those are things that I'm really curious to see is who steps up. And hopefully it's not just one person. Hey, Jaden Thomas had a great spring. Hey, Tobias Merriweather had a great spring. Hey, where it's just one guy. I want to hear like, man, I don't know who's going to start next year because, I mean, Tobias balled out. Lorenzo looked like 2021 late season Lorenzo. Dion balled out. Caleb Smith is the real deal. Jaden Thomas kept built. Man, I, you know, Braylon James and Jane Grant, Rico Flores are like the truth as freshmen. I don't know who's going to get the ball, man. Like, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing is who steps up at that position. Those are very exciting things. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? 
Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy-on, easy-off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. How many times this offseason have we had the conversation and people pose this question all the time too? Who do you expect to be the guy at wide receiver? Who do you expect to be the main producer at wide receiver? And the answer is, is that there's a few guys that it could be, you know, like I wouldn't be surprised if Deion Colsey's the dude for Notre Dame. Wouldn't be surprised if Tobias Merriweather's the dude for Notre Dame. Wouldn't be surprised if Jane Thomas is the dude for Notre Dame. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be confident that this would happen, but I wouldn't be overly, I wouldn't be shocked if Lorenzo Styles had a bounce back year. Like I wouldn't be shocked about that because he's certainly talented. But at the end of the day, Brian, when you have so many options, what does the options actually mean though? It means that there's not a there's not a foregone conclusion. There's not an easy answer to that conversation. There's a lot of cool conversation pieces though, because there are so many different options. That's great. And we're going to be talking all off season about six, four Tobias Merriweather, six, five Deion Colsey, uh, Lorenzo Styles, who's very talented, six, two, two, 15, Jane Thomas, who was your best receiver at the end of the season. A lot of cool things that you can get Ryan, excited about. You just mentioned four guys and didn't yeah. mention the only guy on the roster that was an all-conference player last year yeah, in Caleb Smith. Sure. That's the point. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm not even, like, I'm not saying that to criticize you. No. I'm saying, like, you just mentioned four talented or three talented football players. You didn't mention Lorenzo Styles, who we expected to be their number one receiver last year. You didn't mention Caleb Smith, who was an all-conference player last year. Who's also that, – that, That's the point. In a receiving core that had two guys that were top 100 recruits, right? You didn't yeah. mention any of those guys. And that's the, that's the exciting thing. But yeah. it's also the question mark because who is going to be that guy? And, and I mean, it, it it even could be a situation where if players don't take steps up, it's like Caleb Smith is the most dependable guy, right? Because he's played so much football. I mean, and he's 6'2", 220 pounds. So, like, I don't want to sell Caleb short and be like, he'm not talented. Like, he's 6'2", 220 and has a really good catch radius, extends for the football well. 18 yards of catch last year with a exactly. terrible quarterback. <laughs> yeah, and we didn't even mention the fact that, you know, Braylon James might be the most gifted wide receiver on the roster. Like, sure. he has a conversation there. Sure. Jaden Greathouse – yeah. Nobody, nobody produced in high school the way the next kid you're going to talk about produced. Yeah, no. Jaden Greathouse is, I mean, historically, Brian, like Westlake, Austin Westlake in Texas is one of the premier programs in all of high school football. Well, there's a good argument that Jaden Greathouse is one of the best to ever strap up a, a Westlake helmet on, man. Like he's that type of football player. 50 career touchdowns, was a part of a 53-game winning streak three state championships, and six A-ball in the state of Texas. I wouldn't be shocked if Jaden Greathouse led the spring as a guy that needs to play in 2023. Like, I wouldn't be shocked at all because he is nuanced, he's athletic, he's strong. And I, I not even mentioning Rico Flores, who also did all he did at a, at a program like Folsom High School in California. We could do this all day. Like, we could do this all yeah. day. We can talk about, Littered what, with what, talent, this guy? Yeah. what about that guy? The storyline, however, Ryan, is who? 
Exactly. Who becomes that guy or who becomes those guys? Okay, That's even guys. more important. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the more important thing. And, and who does Tyler Buckner and Sam Hartman develop the most trust with? And here's the thing. We didn't even get into the tight ends. You know, how they're going to use the running backs out of the backfield. There, there's yeah. so much potential for this pass game, Ryan. I, I'm excited. I really am. I don't know if we're going to see it necessarily really take off early in the spring. Like, you know, uh, timing pass game takes time to get on the same page. So it's not, sure. it's, if it comes out the first couple open practices and they're just lighting the world on fire, like, okay, this is going to be really good. I don't necessarily expect that. I think we'll see flashes of it, but I'm really curious to see who steps up. And, and, and then finally, kind of the last storyline we'll discuss is the is the one true position battles because the reason that's different is i don't think quarterbacks are, are really a battle right now i think it's sam hartman's job to lose receiver you could say they're battles and there are tight end but they're all going to play right like they're not just okay well you're starting boundary the other guy's never going to play offensive line's a different animal because usually the starters just that's the guy you're going with and so both guard spots are open ryan and how well the guys that win and earn those jobs play is going to go a long way towards determining just how good this offensive line is going to be because it's got a chance to be special, but you can't have a great line if you're not really good up the middle. And right now there's two huge question marks at the two guard spots. And it could just be they step guys step in, they play great, you keep rolling. But if you have problems, and we saw this with Sam Mustafer, for example, in 2016, I felt that Sam really struggled that year and and because he had this worry so much about the right guard position, it was such a problem, and and that he settled in when it got better. We saw this in two thousand and twenty one with Jarrett Patterson, where early in the year, I thought Jarrett struggled because yeah. he was worried about both. You know, Zeke was struggling at left guard. Kane Madden was an issue at right guard. But once Andrew Kristoff, it kind of came in at left guard, and you kind of and Kane Madden just he was he knew what he was doing at least. He, then Jared Patterson started playing better because he didn't have to worry as much about what's going on next to him. And I think that's an interesting thing too, because if the guards don't play well, then that could end up dragging Zeke Carell down as the center because yeah. he's got to worry about so much. So we don't talk about it as much. It's not as sexy as the quarterback talk or the coaching staff or the receivers or the whatever. But man, it is a very important battles that are going to be raging at both guard spots. And I'm curious to see who steps up this spring and says, this is my job. Or does anyone step up this spring? Or... Do a couple guys play so well that you're like, man, this battle's going to have to go into the fall because these guys both played like starters at right guard and they both play like starters at left guard. You kind of actually help a little bit that it's the latter, to be completely honest with you, Ryan, that, that multiple guys step up and they make themselves better. And then we go into the fall thinking, well, I think Billy Strouth is going to guy is going to be the guy, but did you watch yeah. Tai Chan or did you watch Rocco or did you see Sam or did you see Carmody or did you – you know, that kind of thing. And so I'm very curious to see how that battle is going to rage because it's a very – it's not sexy, but it's a very important position battle that's going to happen this spring. And with any battle, with any competition, the worst-case scenario is that someone wins it by default. Like, you never want that, right? You never want guys to just kind of be on the save level, but, like, not a level where you're just, like, everyone's getting better and everyone's really taking a step forward. It's just, like, everyone's just fine, right? Like, you don't want that to be the case. And this is a similar conversation to the wide receiver talk, I think, Brian. I mean, you have a litter of very talented interior offensive linemen that could potentially be that guard. But at the end of the day, two guys need to step up because there's going to be two starting guards. There's going to be. Could there be three guys that play? I mean, sure. You know, we can have that conversation at some point. But at the end of the day, 
when the game kicks off in Dublin against Navy in a couple in a few months, there are going to be two starting guards on the field for Notre Dame. And there's a lot of names to work through. Billy Shrout, Ty Chan, Rocco Spindler, Andrew Kostofik, Michael Carmody, a lot of really Sam Pendleton, a lot of talented players. There's no doubt. But to your point about the wide receivers, we're talking so much about potential because we haven't, none of those guys are the guy yet. And it's not all their fault. You know, you had obviously a couple of veteran guys playing guard last year. But is this the year that that Billy Shroud takes a massive step forward? Is this the year where Andrew Kristofik puts it all together? Those are the questions that we're kind of working through. It's very important because, Brian, I would say that like, the guard position could be the difference between being a good to very good offensive line and being an elite one. Like that could be the difference because you expect a potential All-American left tackle. You expect a, a good a good to very good starting center. You expect a very good starting right tackle. The difference is, is there a hole in this offensive line or are you just at least solid across the board at every single spot and then great in a couple different actions? Because if you're solid at guard this year, Ryan, this whole line is going to be filthy. I mean, it is because there aren't many teams that are just great across the board. There, there, there aren't. You know, Michigan's offensive line the last two years has not been great at all five positions. As a matter of fact, I'd say they haven't really been great really anywhere. To be honest, like there's not like one lineman that I think Michigan had that was just like, oh my gosh, that guy was out, like outstanding. There's nobody as good for them as like Broderick Jones was for Georgia or Mike McGlinchey or Liam Eikenberg or Mike, you know, Ronnie Stanley or guys like that. There was nobody like that. It's just as a group, they play great together. Yeah. I mean, I think the center was an all American caliber kid. I don't think either one of the tackles were great. Now uh, I think Zach I mean, you is a really that. good football player, but he's not elite. I mean, you saw it. You saw it at the Senior Bowl, Brian. It's like, yeah, Ryan Hayes is a good left tackle for Michigan, but then you get him kind of isolated in that type of situation. You're like, oh, he's right. not that great. Like he's just right. a solid player, right? I mean, I, I would say Zach Zinner was probably the best one in my opinion yeah. on that offensive line the last yeah. two years. But I mean, to your point, it's not like he's not like a slam dunk All American, right? He's a very good right. player. He's There's more no Alex Bars than he is Quentin Nelson sure. as a player. Would you say that's fair? But that line as a whole is outstanding. They play really well together. Standing offensive line, and that's the key. The guards don't have to be great for this to be a great offensive line. They just need to be do your job consistently, effectively, and then the studs can take over at that point in time. One hundred percent. And that's what you start getting excited about. So, Ryan, that's going to do it for this portion of the show. It was a fun discussion. I mean, I'm I'm just I'm really looking forward to seeing what this offense is going to look like, and we're going to get our first glimpse on Wednesday. Uh, just so you all know, kind of understand the schedule. We'll talk about the defense and some other topics tomorrow. Notre Dame is going to have a practice on Wednesday at 7.55 a.m. I will be there. We'll get the stretch period and then the first five periods. So we'll discuss that in our Wednesday show at 1 o'clock. We'll just do our, our show on Wednesday at normal time, and we'll recap the practice then. Uh, that way we'll have all of our – I'll have my breakdowns done. I'll do sort of my, my typical practice recap, just kind of break down what I saw and then we'll have another practice available uh, on Saturday. We'll be able to see the practice on Saturday. We'll, I'll be at Pro Day on Friday as well. So we'll we'll talk a lot about a lot about that stuff this week. I know Ryan at least one day this week is uh, going to take over the Ivy Nation Sports Talk Show and preview Pro Day. I'm not sure which day that is. We'll definitely let you guys know. If you didn't see it, Ryan did a, a mock draft, which was really fun. That was good stuff, uh, Ryan. I was uh, just reminded me of also why I'm so sad about this year's draft because I'm like, when are they going to get to the Broncos? I'm like, oh, that's right. They're not doing a three-round draft, so we're not going to get to the Broncos. 
but it was really, really well done. You can find that on the CFB Nation channel. So you definitely want to make sure you subscribe and check that out as well. It was really, really well done. Uh, so um, hit that like button, folks. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. Don't go anywhere because we got the mailbag coming up next. So start throwing your questions in for that. Uh, but we're going to have a lot, a lot of spring talk this week. We'll mix in some recruiting stuff this week as well because I know we'll have a, some guys on campus this weekend. Uh, obviously, Justin Scott announced that he'll be on campus this weekend, which is huge. Uh, he'll be there, uh, you know, kind of on the pro day, which I think is Friday. No, he'll be on there Saturday. So when they have a practice on Saturday, so we'll see him this weekend. So a lot of, a lot of recruiting stuff still to come as well. So that's, but again, Ryan, that's why you need to be locked into the message board at boards at arsbreakdown.com. Definitely want to check that out as well. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.